Hello and welcome to another episode of Creative Waffle. Today I'm talking to a good friend of mine. He's helped me out a lot in the last few years, given me lots of advice and lots of direction. I look at him as sort of a mentor, someone that I can chat to anytime. His logos are awesome and he's recently started a brand new community on Facebook. Today's guest is Logo Geek Ian Paget. How are you today, Ian? Yeah, I'm good. How are you, Mark? I'm doing very well. Nice and sunny here in Britain. It's good. Uh, yeah, it's uh, a little bit cloudy. <laughs> yeah, summer's here. Yeah, the usual British weather. <laughs> so the first question I have for you is a big one. What is your favourite logo and why? I never know how to answer this question because obviously there's so many um, great logos out there. And to some extent, I know that the, you know, the brand itself can influence how we um, might see a logo. But one that comes to mind is the MyFonts logo. And um, what I like about that is uh, when you first look at it, it just looks like it just says um, MyFonts. But uh, the My is actually a hand reaching out to the fonts, like um, is grabbing the font. So, I mean, I just I just love it because I think it's a really clever idea that's quite well hidden and uh, not everyone knows it's there. Um, but then, you know, it's... It's a good quality logo. Um, it ticks all the boxes in, in terms of what you would expect. And, you know, it's first arm, memorable. Um, it can be scaled down, scaled up, and it will always look good. Um, so, yeah, that's probably the one that I would pick as um, definitely one of my top favorites. That's a really, it's a really nice, clever, like, like you say, clever logo um, with the hand. And, yeah, I didn't notice until you pointed it out and, yeah, most people are, are like that. I mean, even even myself, like the first time I seen it, I I didn't realize that it was actually a hand. It almost requires someone to point out to you or for you to have that, you know, eureka moment like, oh, wow, that's clever. <laughs> and uh, I really like that when Legos have that moment in there. Like, I mean, FedEx, FedEx is probably the most famous for that. I genuinely didn't notice the arrow until someone pointed out to me i mean this is quite a long time ago now but uh yeah i mean that that's kind of one of those things i love about logos that's why i'm so passionate about them is that you know when you do spend time looking at them they've often got these like little hidden meanings um i mean not every logo but i find the best logos have some element of uh hidden meaning like if you do if you research into it you can generally find you know even the smallest detail can have some connection to something about the company or some kind of clever idea it also brings a, a connection to the, the person that's seeing it as well but i felt a bit more connected uh, yeah to absolutely yeah. i mean there's like a sense of ownership yeah exactly. so once, like i've i got that with the toblerone brand um, it has a a bear hidden in the logo, and uh, I can't remember the whole story off the top of my head, but I always have fun picking up a Toblerone bar and pointing out to people and saying, "Did you ever notice the bear in the mountain?" And uh, yeah, it, it kind of it gives you a sense of ownership because I, I guess I feel like I'm part of that. Um, brand and I'm able to like share this uh, funny little story about about them that not everyone knows. Yeah, like a little secret club. <laughs> yeah, it is like a secret a secret club, and uh, yeah, it just makes you feel part of that um, you know brand a little bit more. Yeah, 
So where do you go to when researching design? I, I wouldn't say I have a set location that I go to, um, but what I try to do with projects is I, I have like goals um, and what I do from that is I create like mind mapping. So I've got specific words, like keywords that would come up with that. And uh, I mean, one of the first places that I will go to, and I'm sure a lot of people are going to say this isn't the best thing to do, but I, I have a, will have a look at on Google um, for imagery that's um, connected to uh, to that word. Um, so, for example, uh, if it's for a cycling company, um, associated keywords might be bikes, um, cycle gear, roads, um, uh, you know, like street signs. Um, anything like this, I will spend a little bit of time just doing lots of different Google searches. Um, I mean, if it's in terms, if what you're asking is more in terms of uh, where would I look for uh, similar logos or logos that inspire me, uh, I've got benchmark work that I would kind of compare what I'm doing. Um, so I've got a book by Pentagram called Pentagram Marks. And uh, it's it's like a nice small little gallery book, but you flick through it, and for me, the the work that Pentagram has done is you know like uh, the the very best that's out there. Yeah. So you know, flicking through that, what I try to do is kind of make sure that my work is on par with that as close as I can. And I I, I mean that that's not specific to um. A project is is more across the board in general. So I mean, books like um, the the Pentagram Marks book, where it displays really great logos. I mean, there's loads of logo gallery books out there, but any books like this, I use them to set a benchmark for myself. And um, you know, just as I as and when I work on a project, I might open up these books and just have a look and go, okay, I've got a good idea. How can I take that and make it on par with that? specific um logo to get that same look and feel that seems to be relevant to the uh company that i'm creating the the, the logo for I mean, we'll get on to logo books later on but yeah, sure. you know, so you have basically a level of quality that you want to maintain in your work uh, yeah pretty much and i find um books or other people's uh, portfolios online uh, you know just anything that I can kind of look at and kind of assess is the work that I'm doing to that standard and if it's not it's like okay what do I need to do in order to get my work to that level um, and a lot of the time with with the logos that I personally want to do um, like you see a lot of fairly detailed logos but I'm quite passionate about logos that are as minimal as they can be and um, I mean I, I look to Pendergram because if you imagine each of those logos probably cost um, over a hundred thousand dollars to get done you know there'd be six-figure logos um, and I see what you know, people like Michael Beirut are doing is probably the best work in the world. And 
there's a reason why they're doing it that way. And I think a lot of that has come from, you know, work of the 60s by like um, Paul Rand and Sal Bass and, and people like that. But yeah, I, I just think if I'm able to do work on par with that and understand why they do the work in that way, if I can do work to that standard, I feel like I'm, you know, achieving my goals with each project. That's great. That's, I mean, uh, that's something that I should I should start doing. Having a standard, that's really nice. Yeah, um, I mean, with, with every with everything that you do, like whether it be logos or print based work or web based work, if you're able to find select examples and kind of, I mean, you don't have to like sit down and study them, but just look at them and think, what is it that makes these really great? Like, I mean, going over to web, I do a lot of web work in my. Um, I got a part time job working on web and i found after studying a lot of really high-end websites they just use nice photography with a slight overlay and text like it's very minimal and if you can replicate what they do within you know those websites or those logos or those brochures if you can kind of replicate some element of of that and apply it to your work your work's going to be hopefully eventually um of the standard of the people that are doing that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I just think it's good to start benchmarking everything that you do, whether it be your physical work or your processes or the way that you're coming across. Um, you know, there's a reason why those like higher, like the, the people at the top are that way. And if you can, you know, kind of observe what they're doing and replicate it, you, you'll probably have the same success that they have. <laughs> Yeah. And that's just the way I see it. Well, it's obviously not copying, but yeah. Yeah, no, it's not. I'm, I don't mean copying, but understanding what what it is about their work that's successful and um, applying that to your own. So um, the work of Pentagram, all of those marks are unique and they're clearly unique to that um, brand. So that's the first thing. Like None of those marks are um, unique. Um, no, none of them are the, the same. They're all unique. So, I mean, that's one of the components. But when you really look at them and you study them, most of them are, are essentially like a very clever idea, specifically like fine-tuned to ultimate perfection. So you can see that the idea is very clever, but then also the way it's been executed is extremely good as well. Um, so it's good to see the final output but then to also like if there is a specific agency or an individual that's doing the work of that standard what you can do is then find them online and most of the time these people that are really good they're also documenting their processes as well so like the the best work they use they are using um grids they're using like they're really fine-tuning their artwork they are doing you know processes like taking a good idea and then copying and improving, copying, improving, copying, improving. Every, a lot of people are doing these similar processes. And uh, yeah, I mean, just just copying the way that other people are doing work of a standard that you want to be doing makes sense. Yeah. And, you know, that's where reading books by great people comes in because you can learn about their process, processes, how they've worked, um, how they're presenting work. Like it's more than just a logo. It's everything that goes with that person, and in most cases, it's there online. Like we're in the day and age where if there's someone that you idolise, they're probably 
you know, outputting something or or if they're not doing that, you can send them an email and ask them, how, how are you doing that? Um, but basically find people or work or anything that's of the standard that you want to do and learn from it. That makes, that makes total sense. I really, I really agree with that. I'm going to start, start implementing that in my, my own practices. Um, but when, when did you first get into design? When, when was the first time you realized that you wanted to be a designer? Um, being honest, I, I don't think there was ever really a, a day when I, I made my mind up. That's what I wanted to do. Um, I mean, from like college, I wanted to work in movies. <laughs> I wanted to work on like the, the sets of movies and, uh, you know, I, I just wanted to do something creative. Um, but, uh, I didn't have a moment when I realized that I wanted to do that. It was more a case of I fell into that. I fell into a job where, you know, I, I was working on printed brochures and illustrations. And um, and I, being, being someone who from a, a young age has enjoyed drawing and art, um, you know, doing anything creative. Like I used to do a lot of model making and stuff when I was a kid. I knew when I when I grew up I wanted to do something creative and I feel very fortunate that I landed in a job or a situation where I could learn and um, do you want me to explain that? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, sure. Um, so, I mean, where it came about, where, where the first opportunity came about, um, I didn't go to university. Um, so I, I have no formal education as such. Um, the experience I have is through, you know, physically doing. Um, so uh, I was literally in the right place at the right time. The first job that I got when I was like 17, 18, it was in a print finisher job. Um, and that was where there was a small team. It was a very small company, only about four people. But in that company, what they did is they would print out artwork so large format print and then my job was to be the assistant for um someone who would take those printed roles and encapsulate them and um you know print them out and for, for me that was kind of like my entry point without any qualifications to get into something uh creative um but yeah it, it didn't take long to realize i don't want to do anything um labor based um I mean, I'm not the strongest person. I kept making mistakes in that job. I cut my finger really badly. And I mean, it was it was the cutting my finger badly that kind of made me realize I just need to leave. Um, this isn't right for me. Uh, I got to a point where I, I found it hard to get to that job anyway because it was quite far from me and I didn't drive. So I decided just simply to leave and get the first job that I could find. Um, and yeah, I, I had a really good friend at that point that um, lived just down the road. I mean, this is like when I'm 18. I needed a job, any job, you know, something that would um, bring a little bit of mon money. I was living at my mum's house. Uh, I just needed something temporary that would kind of do the job. Um, so my friend, he worked in this warehouse and uh, I, uh, I, I asked if there was any jobs going and... Um, 
yeah, when I when I went in there for my interview, because I was transitioning between jobs, I went in quite late for my interview. It was about six o'clock and uh my interview was with rather than being with the warehouse manager, it was with someone more senior. Right. And I started to talk about how I would like to work in something, you know, graphics related or art or something like that. Um and I was just quite honest with her that, you know, working in a warehouse isn't really what I want to do but it's a good opportunity to kind of learn to work with other people and um you know just improve working in a team um but it was because I mentioned to her about this um they created an opportunity for me in that company I mean this is quite it's a it was a big global company so um they had a small team uh it was two people that was called product support and education and um, within that team, uh, it was mostly booking, uh, like uh, booking hotels and stuff like that. But there was a very small percentage of it where they were doing posters for a sales team. So as they know that I was quite interested in drawing, um, they asked me to draw something and then they offered me this three month trial period in the office. Uh, but yeah, I was terrible on the phone really bad on the phone so um they gave me all of the poster <laughs> related tasks didn't know any of the software uh but yeah they they set me up with a very old mac uh it didn't really work very well but it had um like quark express illustrator it had a few different software packages and uh yeah because it was like a trial period and i was new and i wasn't really much use <laughs> in that team they gave me all these poster tasks and I, I had this opportunity where I had time and um, I had work that I needed to get done. So you know how simple Illustrator is. There's some obvious tools which you can kind of guess. I was able to like open up Illustrator, click the pen tool and I found if I just go click, I, I didn't know how to use Bezier curves. I was going click, 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 click. I drew something. It looked good. Everyone was happy with it. Um, but yeah, just being in that job and being in this position where I had to learn and I had to improve, I was able to learn in a job where I was getting paid. But then in my free time, uh, I got myself like a really cheap computer. Um, and yeah, I just found videos online. Uh, I think they were like Linda learning videos. And uh, I spent all of my evenings going through these videos. I would then go back into work the next day and apply everything that I learned into that. And uh, yeah, within a short space of time, I created a print ready piece of, um, it was it was a two page brochure, some, like a double sided uh, leaflet. And um, I had no idea, but that team, they didn't do that. They used to just um, prepare something very quickly, like quite crudely, they would use like stick illustrations and, you know, plonk the text together, they would outsource that to a freelancer. Yeah. I didn't know that. So they had this situation where this, um, you know, kid that was working in the warehouse, essentially, that was quite, was very shy, very quiet, um, no experience. So it was able to pay me hardly anything. I was on minimum wage. I was able to do something of the quality of this freelancer that was obviously charging them a lot of money so i had this opportunity where they they realized this for them it was a benefit to train me up so they offered me like 
uh, it, was, it was like a six a six day training session with the local print company um so yeah i would being really excited i would go there with my list of questions uh come back improve my work and uh i mean because of that they started to invest in that team so this team turned from very much an admin based role into a graphics team so it, it became um, a team where it was me and, um, you know, we got to this point where we were doing the photography, we were doing brochures, print-ready work, illustrations. Um, we got a couple of other people and this team just created where it was, it, it became like almost 100% graphics-based and uh, I was doing all of their um, brochures, print-based work and stuff like that. And, you know, just being extremely passionate about the work that I was doing, uh, I was able to, you know, just keep learning and improving. And then from that job, I mean, I ultimately reached a ceiling where I started to redesign my own work. I moved on to, a, you know, a more of a branding agency as such. I mean, it's an e-commerce company, but they was working with lots of different companies. And that's where I first started to get exposed with logos and, and how um, that passion really started. That's really cool. I mean, the fact that they gave you the opportunity, and yeah, it's really cool. I'm, I mean, I think these opportunities are there for anyone who's willing to look for it. But I, I do think it's about being in the right place at the right time. Yeah, you need to find your own opportunities. Um, but yeah, I, I do think you know if you don't have any qualifications, but you're able to show that you have some capability. There are um, admin-based jobs where they do need PowerPoint presentations. I mean, it sounds boring, but PowerPoint presentations or printed leaflets or whatever. Most companies need this in some way. So what you can do is if you're able to demonstrate um, to the people that you're working with that you're able to do that kind of work, uh, you can, you know, progress in that area. So... I mean, within the admin role, you know, a job where you're getting paid, if you can get paid to kind of practice, you can build up a portfolio and then, able to, and then eventually move on to a branding agency. So it's, I just think it's a good entry point into the industry if you don't have any qualifications. Yeah, like you say, if you don't have a qualification or, or there's no point worrying about if you can't go to university or you, know, you can't afford it, or you'll be okay. <laughs> there's opportunities. Mm. I, I mean, there's opportunities there, but you need to be aware that you have to make an effort to learn. Yeah. Like, I just, I didn't just magically learn everything. I've read a lot of books. I watched a lot of videos. I spoke to a lot of people. Um, and, like, it's something I'm really passionate about. So I, I continuously aim to learn, continuously aim to improve. And doing things like, you know, what I mentioned about benchmark work, for me, that's the best way to learn is that if you've got something that you can reach to, you can understand, okay, I don't know how to do that, but how can I learn how to do that? So, if, you know, with qualifications or without, I mean, you have to keep learning. And um, my worry is that people that go to university, they might have this um, arrogance where they think that they know everything because they went to university, but I found the opposite is true. The people that I know that's taught themselves continue to teach themselves. So I think, you know, if whether you have qualifications or not, 
um, the, the job that we're doing is hard. You know, you have to keep learning and improving. And, um, you know, that's ultimately how successful people become successful. It's got nothing to do with qualifications. It's to do with, um, you know, perseverance and keep learning and improving and, you know, go to university or not. That's part of, of succeeding in an area is just keep practicing, keep learning, keep trying, keep learning where you're making mistakes. The hard work pays off. That's that the same. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So what's, what's your most used font? What's your favorite font at the moment? Um, I tend to try and choose the font for the project. Um, but if I had to pick a font off the top of my head, um, I like Futura. I think that's how you say it. Um, it's just very clean and minimal. Um, I like uh, sans serif typefaces like that. You know, that are just like, you just look at them and it's like, that's a really nice um, a font. But yeah, with, with logos, I try and choose for the project. So, I mean, you know, asking which one my favorite font is like asking what my favorite color is is irrelevant to some extent yeah obviously it depends on the project but yeah it sounds like typefaces i mean they they always look clean and and pretty so yeah (laughs) definitely yeah the better ones um so who's your design idol who do you look up to the most i know you've been interviewing people for your own podcast and and a few yeah um I mean, there's so many different people for different reasons. Um, I mean, I would, I mean, this is slightly boring. I'm sure everyone says the same thing, but I'd put Paul Rand at the top of my um, idols list. I mean, obviously he's not living, so you can only kind of rely on the books and work. And I mean, there's a few videos online, but, um, you know, advice that I've read from him you know, bearing in mind some of the stuff that is written he wrote when he was in his 20s, compare that with a lot of the, um, it's not garbage that's out there now, but there's a lot of content online in books, um, you know, out there, but then you read something from like Paul Rand and it's almost like it makes everything else irrelevant and, you know, just the work I guess I feel like a lot of the principles for logos kind of originated from him. So I put him at the top of my list. <laughs> um, I mean, there's current people now. I mean, there's people like Christo. He's doing awesome stuff. Um, you know, anyone that doesn't know Chris, go and find him. Watch some of his videos. If you don't learn from him, I would be shocked. Um, he's very confident. Uh, I don't know how he became so confident, but he's very confident. Um, he's very good with money. He's got a lot of knowledge. And, um, yeah, seeing someone like him, I mean, it's not about his work as such, but um, everything he's doing is very inspiring. Yes. Yeah, he's, he's definitely one that's um, I found recently and helped me a lot on business-wise. Yeah, I found him only recently. I think it was um, probably his pricing video. Yeah. Um, it only came out... Mm, I don't know, in like the last six months. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I've spoken with him quite a few times and uh, I've just been following like his videos at the future and um, that's what his brand's called, by the way. It's called Fu- Future. Um, it's just like, wow, this, this is good content. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to ignore that. 
So moving on to design books, we know you've got a lot. Um, yeah. Um, do you know how many you've got? Uh, I haven't counted. Yeah. Um, in case anyone that's listening doesn't know, I kind of collect uh, design books. Um, I don't know. I don't think it's as many as what you're making out to be, but it's certainly like it's probably over 50. <laughs> it's quite a lot of logo books for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in terms of my favorite, um, there's a few that definitely stand out and have had like a big impact. But I'm going to say um, there's a book that was written by uh, a guy called David Airy um, called Work for, Mon- Work for Money, Designed for Love. And um, I mean, it's quite a thin book, but it's full of such good um, advice. And I remember reading that uh, and thinking, oh my God, I should probably start doing my own thing. I should probably start like work doing freelance. It just, it just, I don't know. It kind of sparked something in me, and uh, I think it was that book that made me start like Logo Geek. Um, yeah. So if anyone hasn't read it, read it. I mean, it's it's more to do with like starting your business, uh, what you need to do, um, and I, I just think it uses very real life examples, but. Um, yeah, no matter what level you're at, you can read through it and think, wow, this is, it's just good. It's just good content. Yeah, I know you, you recommended that to me. I bought it and it's, it is a quality book. Um, I put it on the tube on, on the way to my college and uh, I finished it in a few days and it was really, 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 really good. <laughs> mm, I need to read it again. It's been a while since I read it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it would definitely be worth me reading again. So is that what I say? That's obviously the most valuable book as well, the most valuable design book you've got, or is there any others that spring to mind? Um, when you say valuable, do you mean price? Or? <laughs> no, I mean, so the, <laughs> the content that's inside of it, like what, what's um, the most valuable? I mentioned about Paul Rand, and there's a book um, written by him called Design, Form and Chaos. Um, it's quite expensive to get your hands on a copy because it's out of print. Um, but again, I mean, the what I mentioned about Paul Rand and the advice coming from him being some of the best quality I've, I've read uh, is probably from that book. Um, I've taken pictures of it. I got a blog, um, you know, with with some of these pages on, but that one was really good. I mean, there's but there's a book that I have called um, Logo Types of the World. Um, I can never pronounce the, the guy's name, but uh, I need to get it. Two seconds. I'm going to try and pronounce this. Okay, so his name is uh, uh, Yasabaro Kawayama. Is that how you say it? I don't know. But he has um, quite a few um, books where it's just basically a collection of logos. Um, And uh, I think these were made in like the 70s or 80s. So a a lot of the logos in here would have been um, created by hand. So pre um, Adobe Illustrator years, uh, but I just find the work in books like this in comparison to modern day um, Lego books, um, I just feel like there's a a difference in style or quality. Like um, the examples in here, that they kind of tick more of the boxes of being versatile, simple, memorable, whilst um, a lot of the more modern day logos in these books. Um, I'll be blunt and say that a lot of them are tiny illustrations. Um, that's not saying that 
little illustration doesn't work for logos because um, at the end of the day, a logo is to identify. So it can be anything, <laughs> you know, as long as it identifies that company, it doesn't really matter what it looks like. But in terms of the work that I'm kind of benchmarking against, these books from like the 70s, um, I got quite a few, um, but these older books, I don't know, there's just something about them that just more, it, those logos seem more timeless. So I could just imagine, you know, if I was to base my work on the work of um, the logos in books like this, I feel like they would have more longevity than if I was to in, uh, base the style of my work on, um, I can't think of an example, but there's, you know, a few modern day logo books where it does have these little illustrations from lots of detail. And uh, I just got this feeling that in 50 years time, all of that stuff is going to be irrelevant. But the styles of the 50s, 60s, 70s, I still feel like somehow that's going to be relevant um, even then. And it goes back to what you're saying about standards as well. I think the logos that are designed these days are of that standard. I think they'll stay around as well. Like the Apple logo, although that's not really these days. But um, yeah, those sort of logos, I think they'll stick around as well with, with that period. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there are obviously very good, high-quality um, modern-day books, like uh, Logo Modernism. I don't know when that one came out. I think it's fairly new. I think it was probably um, released last year. It definitely came out in the last two years. But that's a modern-day book that has a lot of very good logo examples in it. But, I mean, um, there are loads of these um, logo gallery books, and uh, some of them, if you flick through them, they're really nice little illustrations. And for me, that I don't see how that necessarily works for a logo. So I just prefer to, I prefer just to track down these older, rare um, books that everyone else seems to want yeah. uh, that just has really nice work in it. And, you know, it's stuff that you can't find on a Google search. Um, I mean, there's, there are obviously people out there now that are starting to scan them in and vectorize them and put them in these galleries. But you find that those galleries, because of the standard of the work and because it's not normally online, they're getting a lot of followers or, um, you know, those those galleries are becoming very popular. Yeah. I think it's important, that just, like you say, to keep the standard. And I think it will, I think these, these logos that represent show you similar similar things to the ones of the 60s and the big ones that we still remember i think they will stick around as well as as well as the ones from the 60s so yeah definitely if you can think of an example so far so far like recent examples of of quality logos of maybe the i i I think it it's down to the brand like if the brand sticks around yeah um somehow that logo is gonna follow it (laughs) Um, you know, like we always talk about the Apple logo, but let's face it, that is a little, a little drawing of an Apple. (laughs) And if it didn't have this big empire behind it, we probably wouldn't, um, see that logo in, in that way. It's the same with the Nike tick. I mean, being honest, like if you drew that, (laughs) uh, you know, for a client, 
<laughs> they probably wouldn't think much of it. And, and I am aware that, you know, when it was presented to the client originally, they wasn't that happy with it. Yeah. They just kind of went with it because they had nothing else. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, these logos that we kind of benchmark as the very best, I don't think we're just referring to the logo. We're referring to the brand as, as well. People love Nike. Nike does really good branding. Um, you go into any of their flagship um, shops and it's just got this thing about it and Apple's the same. Mm -hmm. So it's inevitable that we're kind of associating ourselves with those logos. Yeah, especially designers. They're the two that stick out as well. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. So it comes to the end. I mean, what, what, the last question I have for you is, what's your number one design tip? What would you give to any trade? Um, I would say, and I don't know if anyone else has said this tip already, but to draw every single idea that comes into your head, even the bad ones. Um, I, I find when I try to imagine something, I can picture this idea in my head, but then when I try to focus on specific details, I find it's not actually really there. It's kind of like a foggy image. Um, so what I try to do is I just draw it. Even if I think, you know, this idea sucks, this idea is rubbish. I just draw it, get it out of my head and then move on to the next. So, you know, just to get through them quite quickly. And what I found in uh, quite a few cases, that rubbish idea, once you see it down on paper in reality, what looked like a rubbish idea in your mind suddenly has potential on paper. So just draw everything that comes to mind, even if it's the dumbest idea that you've ever thought of, just get it down on paper, um, paper and pen, pen it, you know, it doesn't cost anything to draw. Just get it down on paper, get out of your head, um, stop thinking about ideas in your mind. You know, don't let them form in your mind, let them form on paper instead. That's awesome. That's a great tip. Funny, um, obviously, people probably know where to, where to find you and that, but can you give yourself a bit of a plug and, and tell everyone where? Um, yeah, I mean, if you want to find me, you can um, just do a Google search for Logo Geek. Um, so you can go to logogeek.com or .co.uk, or I've got most of the URLs. Um, but you can also find me on Twitter at logo underscore geek. And uh, one last plug, I've started a community. Um, so for the last couple of years, I've been just pushing out content, but now I'm just trying to um, give back to the community by pulling everyone that's kind of following me together in one community. Uh, so yeah, it's called the, the um, well, I can't speak, Logo Geek Community. Um, so just search for that on Facebook. And uh, yeah, if I think that, you know, you're gonna contribute to the group, I'll, uh, I'll let you in. <laughs> That's, that's that's great. Thank you very much. Um, cool, no worries. Do you want to talk about your podcast or not? If you want me to. <laughs> oh, yeah, plug, plug your podcast, yeah. Okay, um, yeah, I'm also working on a podcast as well. Um, so I've been interviewing a number of different people. Uh, so far, I've spoken to Aaron Draplin, uh, Christo, Bill Gardner, um, Sarah Heinemann, who um, is the person behind Type Taster and um david airy and i understand it's the first um podcast interview that david airy has ever done so i'm excited about that um yeah I, I don't have a fancy url but uh if you search in itunes uh for logo geek uh there is a there's no episodes out yet but there's a 
like a pilot episode um so yeah just subscribe and uh when i start rolling these out which will probably be in the next two weeks um you can hopefully follow follow along and enjoy that by the time this podcast out i mean you'll you'll probably have a few podcasts out so um yeah cool good stuff thanks very much for being on the thanks mark Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the podcast with Logo Geek Ian Padgett. Um, it was great talking to him. I really enjoyed it. really enjoyed the chat. I hope you enjoyed it too. Let me know down in the comments below or give us a review if you're on iTunes. His podcasts are out now. You can definitely go and check them out on iTunes. and They're, they're awesome. There's one about Aaron Draplin. Everyone loves Aaron Draplin. Go and check it out. Thanks very much for watching and listening. I'll see you in the next podcast.